This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and gaming, focusing on the world of game mechanics and storytelling. Now, how we're going to do that today is we're going to frame the episode with uh, who we would consider the the intersection the perfect intersection of those two worlds throughout his career and that is Japanese game designer Hideo Kojima today of course I'm again joined by one of our executive contributors the living breathing metal gear himself Mr. T-Buck welcome T-Buck nano machines (laughs) nice nice So, um, <laughs> are you excited about this one, buddy? Uh, yeah, this, this goes back to like, uh, Friday night pizza, eating pizza, uh, trying to sneak around, um, what, what was, oh, Shadow Moses, you know, Shadow kind of bringing Moses. up a lot oh, of yeah. those. Hell yeah. It's, now, it's good times. <laughs> yes. Now the focus, I, I have to make an emphasis on this. The focus of today's episode is actually on the art of game mechanics and storytelling. Now we are going to touch on a lot of different aspects of those two worlds and an easy way to talk about that, of course, is through Mr. Kojima. And because here's the thing, Kojima was one of the first to integrate narrative into gaming like we've never ever seen before i mean he was balancing game mechanics with immersive cinematic and emphasis on cinematic kind of storytelling i mean ultimately helping to shape what we know as narrative driven games to this very day now before we can go into all of the discussions surrounding that we need of course a little background So Mr. Kojima was initially studying economics at university. He decided to abandon a traditional path in uh, in an economics career to instead work in the arts. Now, he is famously, he has famously talked about the fact that he wanted to become a filmmaker, a writer, a director to be exact. He was first searching for film production. He was an avid writer of his own fiction, and that we've seen to this very day. And he somehow found his way into game development. 
How exactly? That is lost in the lore of his history. He was hoping it would be some kind of stepping stone into filmmaking, and most importantly, like I said, film directing. And in a way, and we'll get to this later, he did become a film director, just not in the traditional sense. He was hired by Konami in 1986, and his first big gig was as an assistant director on Penguin Adventure. <laughs> now, yep. Now, Penguin Adventure is exactly what it sounds like. It's a 8-bit adventure game starring a cartoon penguin. Really nothing more than, uh, <laughs> than that. Actually, uh, doing a deep dive into kind of hearing the history of Penguin Adventure, it turns out that there was a lot of uh, innovative game design that Kojima did even then for this particular game now it wasn't until 1987 that he was given the reins to a very famous very very famous world and that is metal gear now here's the thing about metal gear that i didn't know until i did the homework for this episode and that is i thought it was always his baby i thought he was the main writer behind it turns out he was given the project by a senior associate at konami and it wasn't until years later that i think he really took it over as his own know driving force uh, and his vision now uh, metal gear uh, if you don't already know is just a basic stealth uh, one of the first of its genre actually in the 8-bit days um, of a stealth action adventure game starring a mr solid snake the character the main character in most of the games now this was originally uh out in japan on the ms msx2 home computer now here in the west we got a port of it on the nes and it was uh, absolutely abysmal I, did you ever actually play it yeah yeah so i actually own it, the nes version i own the nes version too and it's but like, i played the msx version on um well i should say my friend um uh b tuck played played it on an, <laughs> an, an emulator that's that's so good well uh needless to say the nas version cannot hold a goddamn candle to the actual original version uh before he went on to make uh, sequels for the game he went he went on to make 1988 snatcher which is very very cinematic uh definitely something that we had never seen before in gaming before it actually took off in the stratosphere that is the gaming industry it was a lot like blade runner had a very cyberpunk aesthetic and feel and this was known to be called a graphic adventure game uh essentially a game to be played out like a what they called at the time a visual novel that sound familiar visual novel visual <laughs> novel mm. Mm, what does that sound like maybe that a movie? sounds familiar now kojima wrote and directed this one and uh he approached the game or his team to him and his team did much like a film or anime does that sound familiar Hmm. This also sounds familiar too. Moving on, in 1990, we get uh, a sequel to the uh, Metal Gear game, and that's called Snake's Revenge. Now, this was the unofficial. This is what I didn't know. Uh, fascinating uh, reading into this and looking, doing my homework. Uh, the unofficial sequel to Metal Gear was Snake's Revenge. That was the one we got in the West. Uh, but the true sequel was done by Kojima, and that was Metal Gear 2. 
uh, colon solid, solid snake. Now, in 1994, he made police knots and he developed, he even developed a scripting engine so he could decide when animations and music played instead of the programmers. Sounds a lot like a director. Yeah, I think police knots was. Wasn't that that was a pretty big hit in Japan? I, I this is correctly. the thing: is a lot of these games were big hits in Japan, and they yeah. didn't really they didn't really make a mark in the West. Some of those uh, story, those Japanese story moving frame games were pretty big over there. Just oh yeah, audiences here could not. They're uh, we're well, still big today. Yeah, globalization is slowly making the world smaller and smaller and smaller, and so we're seeing a lot of what's popular over there, popular over here, and vice versa. But it wasn't, and this is a perfect segue into our discussion section, it wasn't really until 1998 when Metal Gear Solid came out on the PlayStation 1 to change the game forever. Now, before we actually talk about this, I want to talk about the fact that <laughs> there's been there's been storytelling in games for a long time. Not oh, yeah. definitely before 1998, definitely before Metal Gear Solid. The thing about it is is uh you actually used a pretty good word in our uh, pre-show uh, review. There was a crudeness to the narrative if you ever want to call that or plot. You know, my example was uh, there was a there was a lot of stereotypes and a lot of tropes. The biggest one, of course, we would see is the damsel in distress trope. So mm-hmm. the Mario, you know, Super Mario Brothers, uh, King Bowser steals the princess, right? And so the whole game is just you going to save the princess. That's essentially the very thinly veiled plot we have for this game. It, but it wasn't until I would say Metal Gear Solid in 1998 that we saw a revolution on what a game could be. And that's where, when I said put an emphasis on cinematic storytelling, now we're seeing games being played out like movies, like true novels, in ways, you know, there was character development, there was uh, emotion, there's movements, there's, there was, it, it was, um, yeah, for lack of a better word, it was cinematic in a way we've never seen before. Yeah, this was an exciting time. Not only uh, a young kid that was really in the games, but like just being in technology overall. I mean, this was um, around the time, you know, the, the constraints were mainly technological, why you couldn't do this before. And and like you were saying, there's a lot of, there's obviously storytelling and really, some games have really in-depth storytelling, but not really from an action perspective. Sure. A lot of them were more from an RPG or kind of a point and click. Yeah, like uh, I said, we still had stories and games before oh, this. Yeah. Like yeah. Final Fantasy, we had really in-depth stories, but none of them were as cinematic. Yeah, and you had the advent of 3D platformers that kind of, you know, Super Mario um, 64, which was really kind of the first, at least really successful one. And that opened the doors to a lot of 3D gaming overall. Um, then you start looking at, you know, you know, Resident Evil was one that we've talked oh, yeah. about before. Resi. Um, as a huge that has line. some cinematic elements, but not to this level. I mean, oh, just God. the beginning of the game where they're kind of going over it sent goosebumps uh, up my spine when I saw it because I was like, oh my gosh, this is like this is like an action movie. Like this is like a like a James Bond meets Rambo kind of thing. Hell yeah! Like especially when he <laughs> ties the you know his bandana and comes up and it has like the title screen. I had never seen anything like that before, and I automatically was hooked from that. Um, Today's standards, the the mechanics, uh, we can kind of go into that a little bit. We're rough around the edges, uh, but, but uh, for um, its time. Yeah, you know. but uh, for the framing of this episode, 
uh, I do want to start with the fact that most of the time, game mechanics were yeah. driving narratives. Now, he may have yeah. written, you know, let's say Kojima. I don't know exactly how the process went. He could have written the storyline for this before they actually design game mechanics uh, for the game. But he knew that there's going to be certain things in it. And often, I, as how I understand it, they would have to rework pieces to make sure that it would still be a playable game and a fun game. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's important. And I think what this f- maybe was the first game I saw had a great balance between gameplay and storytelling. And we see imbalances of that still today. Um, there's some games that do it really well and some that don't. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's talk about cutscenes. We can't talk about Kojima without talking about fucking long The guy doesn't dialogues. put any cutscenes or long dialogues, and he doesn't have or like exposition. eight or yeah. exposition. His exposition at the end, yeah, it's not like 25 minutes or anything. Now, here's the thing, is as, as, as much as there was these long, drawn-out cutscenes that I have honestly... And MGS4, I have fallen asleep to. They're so long. <laughs> you told <laughs> like, me this when you're playing it. Like they were, they would go on for like an hour and a half, and I would doze off, and I would yeah. wake up, and they were still fucking going. Anyways, the point is, is that yes, there was a lot. There is a lot of story to these games. Uh, yeah. Probably so much detail that it either gets lost in the ether of the mythos and lore, or it has to be explained away with fucking nanomachines. That's why he said that, by the way, anybody listening, if you can't explain something in a, in a very complex, rich, I would often say convoluted plot, just add in a, a, uh, a MacGuffin, something that will get you out of the situation all the time. And that in metal gear, that is nanomachines. Uh, the meme of the century. Uh, what was it in, in the metal five? Gears. It was, uh, <clears throat> it was, um, parasites, uh, vo- parasites. vocal parasites. <laughs> vocal parasites. Uh, oh yeah. Because the theme. Oh yeah. Okay. Now I we, promised. We get into themes yeah. Too. Now yeah. I promised Buck or not promised Buck. I more like I warned Buck. We cannot get. We cannot anchor ourselves just talking about the plot of these games because that's not really the heart and soul of the episode. Well, it, in in when and to be fair, if we really try to dig in deep to the Metal Gear plot, there would be so many twists and loopholes and plot holes and and uh, retcons. Uh, we would be spinning around. We would have to do a series. Literally, we would have to do a series of episodes one hour probably eight long yeah one hour eight eight one hour episodes to just explain one game kojima-san has said himself it would take 10 years of games for him to fix the timeline (laughs) so that doesn't matter what matters is matter yeah what matters is the game mechanics versus the storytelling now uh metal gear solid as buck said did a good balance of the two though uh though there was a lot of story to be found and told um there was still you could you could still cut through a lot of the drivel and there would still be a lot of game to be played throughout his career we saw him that evolved to where there was a lot more story a lot more story and i would say arguably that the game mechanics kind of plateaued i never felt like the game mechanics were um until until the phantom pain until five I wouldn't yeah. say that the game mechanics were deteriorating over time. Oh, no. It was just, I mean, there was new kinds of game mechanics that he would design for each of the game. New, really fun things. Uh, but there was there was an element of, uh, of a plateau 
if he took out something, then he would add two or three things, you know, just first person shooting, for example, or the camo stuff in three, or even the camo stuff in four. Buck didn't play four, so I have to kind of talk about four in his place. Can, can I explain why I didn't play four? Okay, go to tell us. I, I did not have a PS3, okay? It was a P- yeah, it was PS3. Yeah, it was PS3. I did not have a PS3. I was also in grad school um, when it came out. I'm pretty sure I was. Yes. So you I had already I, moved I, by then, and I remember even saying to you, I will fucking mail you my copy or, you know, just get a PlayStation 3 and I will make sure you somehow get MGS4. Yeah, I, I basically j- just, I, I was on lockdown. I, I had to get my, my work done. So there was about a three-year period. Uh, I did not play games, and it was uh, really hard for my girlfriend at the time when I uh, finished my... Uh, thesis uh defense when i pretty much played video games for a solid three weeks <laughs> uh and, and rightly so I was, try- I was trying to catch up yeah rightly so rightly so yeah. so uh, as we saw an evolution of his franchise take off uh and seeing how narrative could be shaped and changed and be more complicated we saw a lot of you know as much as i didn't put uh this on the outline for you buck to kind of balance off of and we can just kind of you know pick a lot of different franchises out of the air that did the same thing so resident evil final fantasy you know the the game mechanics definitely evolved but the story evolved like we'd never seen before and that's when we started seeing more and more cutscenes uh, or just cutscenes that weren't just dialogue dumps you know yep. actual cutscenes that were quite a little visual piece of eye candy uh, i mm-hmm. always think of like i feel like a huge jump was uh final fantasy 10 when we were starting yeah. to get picture perfect visuals picture perfect visuals decent voice acting that was the thing about metal gear we that had was voice the first acting. time yeah the voice acting was actually pretty good uh, david is it david hater i it's think it's hater yep time. david hater of guy played... for fame no he's this is probably his most famous thing yeah he, he's he's also written <laughs> That's a, a lot of cut guyver <laughs> look at Gu- oh god guyver yeah <laughs> um <laughs> Um, but no, uh, David Hayter's also a, a screenwriter. Yeah, he did um, probably X-Men? one of his X Men, um, the X2. Watchmen, um, Watchmen film, uh, the Zack Snyder Watchmen film. He was I one like, of the writers. Okay, I didn't know that, but I actually yeah. like that version of uh, of Watchmen. I, I, I like the director's cut. Um, yeah, it's it's a. I, I could see why some people don't like it. Um, it's it's kind of a polarizing. It, it, I, I think the the changes that they made probably for the real reason that it was so polarizing. But anyway, um, I digress. <laughs> but yeah, the voice acting was fantastic. And that was one thing, especially with a lot of games that at that time, the voice acting was not really that great, especially for oh, Japanese. God, no, like ports. another, another great still fran- to this day. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, uh, another great franchise that I love that definitely tried to balance game mechanics with narrative with storytelling is the silent hill series now buck isn't a huge horror guy and a si- i don't think you've played any of the silent hills have you um a little bit i, I just knocked well, over a whole bunch of stuff on the table i'm sorry i can't about take that. you anywhere this is why I we don't have nice can't things take me anywhere this is not this is why we don't have nice things <laughs> <laughs> no i play i've played a little bit of it but it's not been well I, I, horror game genre is just not my to your point much. you know often silent hill 2 is considered one of the greatest uh horror games of all time and that the voice acting is abysmal uh but the game yeah. mechanics 
I mean, the game mechanics are designed to make you feel helpless because it's a horror game. Mm-hmm. You uh, you want to feel that dread, and but the the story is something that's still analyzed and dissected to this very day. I mean, I, I am astounded to find like YouTube channels or what have you that are still talking about these these things to this day. And there's very few games like that. I mean, I, I, one... I beg to differ. I feel like there's a lot of games like that, and there's just I feel like we're seeing we're seeing more of the discussion, you know, you know, we didn't yeah. have Reddit and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, back in the 90s, early 2000s. I guess what I meant is like talking about the storyline in games for years. I mean, like one of them still talked about to this day is Final Fantasy 7, Sephiroth yeah. killing um Zach. Yeah, killing the girlfriend. Um, oh, oh, Eris. Eris or Aerith yeah. with a TH. Aerith. And then, you know, kind of a, you know, two games that come to mind that are more modern. Bioshock Infinite was a game that just kind of blew me away from a story. Perspective. Perspective. And and that, you know, and and this is kind of going back to this and why Kojima is really important is because the story of Metal Gear has been kind of discussed a lot in this similar way about because even though some of the it, it can be campy. Um, a little, um, (laughs) you know, kind of unrealistic and things like that. There, there's still kind of this almost comic book. Well, and I think we should, uh, I think this is an excellent segue to talking about how Kojima was influenced to create this cinematic, uh, feel to his works in in the gaming Mm -hmm. industry. Because if you don't know, let's say anybody listening right now, let's say you're a Metal Gear Solid fan and you can see Snake's face in your head right now let's say it's big boss and you see a little eye patch over his eye that came from john carpenter uh if you go do your homework it was it the movies in the 80s so there was there was two movies escape from new york and escape from la that was in the 90s it's not was that in the 90s well escape from the first one was in the 90s Escape from New York was was in the 80s. 80s and it's awesome. And this stars Kurt Russell and he plays Snake Plissken. Does that Snake sound Plissken. familiar? And he had an eye patch and eye patch, um, yeah. they were they, they were about you can't see my fingers but they were about this fucking close to suing Kojima and Konami. Oh, I didn't know about this. Yeah. And it was actually John Carpenter that was like just let him have it. He's going to do his own thing, you know, and he did. Yeah. I mean, as much as the character is definitely based on this other piece of work by John Carpenter, he it, it became its own thing. And I think they knew that. Yeah, because there's some elements like obviously that was a big influence on the character. There's also some Rambo kind of. Oh, know, yeah, there's a little Rambo. There's a little a definitely little in Snake Eater. So that's MGS3. Uh, we're seeing yeah. uh, the Bond, the Bond. Yeah, the James Bond. They even have it, a Bond song and it's literally called Snake Eater. <laughs> Snake eater. I yeah, hear it in my head. But that was kind of, you know, again, the th- the theme of it was it was an espionage film. It's set in the Cold War. Yeah. You know, obviously that was a big influence for Kojima. You can see that in in uh Snake Eater. I I am always kind of confused with MGS2 Sons of Liberty. One. let's frame it for the good people. yeah so so i'm not trying to get too much into the story here but this this diverged from what people were ex- expecting so this was a huge people were so excited about this i remember i game that had a demo of this and i can't remember what the game was it was like a oh that's gonna be my gym well hold that hold okay hold that thought yes <laughs> but i bought that so i could play the demo of this 
Yeah, and and it was and just so the, the sh- it was just the ship episode, right? It was just which the, was fantastic. I actually, it's the only th- it's pretty much the only thing I played over and over again. So there, there was two episodes. There was the ship episode and the tanker yep. episode. And the ship episode had Snake, Snake. and then um, there was a surprise if you haven't played the game in the tanker episode. Should we spoil it? We or, should just tell them. Yeah, we're just gonna assume you yeah. played the game. So if you haven't, sorry, tough titties. Um, it was it's a completely been different out character. For Twenty years. Come on. <laughs> it's it, it was a completely different character. His name was Raiden. He was a little bitch of a character, but they <laughs> yeah, made I'm glad him really. You said it because I was about ready to. <laughs> but they made him really, really cool in MGS4, which sucks because you didn't get to experience that. Well, they made him cool like that because he was such a whiny little bitch in the, <laughs> that one. People it was, hated it, him. Even and... his voice actor sounded like a whiny little. Kind of sounded like this, Rose. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, Rose, my well, wife. Now we haven't. I, I'm actually gonna say. I'm proud of us. We have not really gone on a lot of tangent corners at all this whole episode, but I am going to pull it back because we are... We're not talking about the game mechanics enough uh, and how they yeah. and the art of game mechanics and how they are balanced with storytelling. So we've been talking a lot about storytelling. So I'm going to do a Novo pullback and say that now every single game there was, you know, as much as I called it a plateau, there was an evolution to it, but it didn't take off, obviously, like the narrative. And that's why we're geeking out about it a little bit right now, because in MGS one, uh, there was a lot of third person shooting game mechanics and that kind of stuff you could strangle people you know and then mgs2 it took it to a new level so there was still an evolution to everything uh so you could strangle people you could do some shooting action adventure like mechanics you could crawl you could go into first person there was a lot to it and uh, the mechanics sneaking game yeah it's a stealth sneaking game and of course the very famous knocking on the wall so it would change Knocking perspective and you could knock on the wall to alert a guard to come to you. And then you could either sneak around them or you could strangle them or shoot them. Whatever, It was completely up to the user. Yeah, most most of the game is not like a shooter. It is it's it's kind of like a puzzle almost a little bit. Where okay, you have guards I'll give you that. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And I say that because there's an, there's another game franchise that took takes it to a whole nother level. And that's the Hitman series. But yeah, it's it's basically you, you're trying to sneak around. Your, your mission is you not have to missions. go in. And just right it's not it, yeah it's not a first it's not could. doom yeah you get to you get to choose and that's that's the point is that the game design the game mechanics i always felt were a little more front and center in this yeah. era they were they were the thing driving the story even if the story was as expansive as something like metal gear it was always either having you know it eventually just had to get to a balance point because clearly there was a a story they wanted to tell and it's it's crazy because as we go through this timeline of games uh we get to kind of an outlier and that is in the last game in the chronology which is mgs5 or v and that's ground zeros and the fan of pain because we saw a lo- the almost the exact same kind of game from each of them, from one through four and even peace walker but like i said the story was getting bigger and broader and more convoluted and crazier just every fucking adjective villains like that you could think became of heroes heroes became villains heroes became villains i mean yeah, I mean, yeah it was <laughs> so the point is is that you know as much as the game mechanics evolved there was still it was still very much the same from game to game and the, and the plot started to overshadow that now a lot of fans 
complained about that, mm-hmm. you know, and they said, we want less cutscenes and we want less. We want more game. And the gameplay was fantastic. It, it really was. MGS5 completely switched the fucking just switched the entire framework. Oh, yeah. And it was complete, completely focused on game design again. It was probably it's still to this day. It's it's I still have moments where I either fantasize about how fun I had with it or that I want to play it again. Sometimes I'll see stuff in the real world that I'm like, oh, I could balloon. What was it called uh-huh. when you would like put that on the balloon? So, yeah. You, and like yeah. shoot it up. Oh, so you could. <laughs> so one of the main mechanics of the game was that you could uh, basically. So in the you should frame this. You've seen it in Batman uh, Dark Knight, but there really was this system of where you would attach a balloon. Uh, the balloon would shoot up and a plane would fly over and catch the balloon. So like in Vietnam, they, and then they you could own this. the thing. Yeah, it could be it so could you, be a soldier. It could be a thing. So I it could be a gun. Oh, my gosh. Novo. This, this, OK, dude, this is scary. So I I was playing that game so much at the time when I saw a shipping container, I almost got excited. No, that's my point. I, I would <laughs> I would fantasize about I was like, I, I wish I could do that in real life because I want to get that fucking shipping yeah, container. So, or or if it was just like a dish on the top of a building. Yeah, so you would you would or whatever. Yeah, so what you would do, you you could you could do this with people, animals, everything, because part of the game was also collecting like different uh, fauna and stuff like that. Uh, you had like your own zoo on your ship out at sea thing. Uh, yeah. But like shipping. It was like outer heaven. You had kind of like a. Yeah. You know, you were developing a, a free, a free army, army without yeah. nation. So, so that's basically your, your mercenary private military organization. These, these uh, shipping containers were resources and you needed these resources to build more weapons and, and build up your base and the defenses and things like that. And it, it was just this really kind of complex almost, but very intuitive to a point uh, system uh, that kind of changed just the whole game. The The thing about that game is, and it's my favorite in the series is like you said, it, it the gameplay was getting a little stale. Gameplay was getting stale. The plot was getting, it was getting convoluted. convoluted. So this is, this is why I'm very defensive of MGS five. A lot of people, uh, shit on it. Not for the game mechanics that people, you know, yeah, love it for that. It's for that. It's because metal gear solid became such a narrative driven game. And it almost overshadowed the mechanics that when Kojima said, okay, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. Fans. He gave you exact for, for all the haters out there. He gave you exactly what you wanted. He, he gave that working his ass off and didn't he, he doesn't see any royalties or anything from this. He was yeah. working overtime. So for his... all the people that said, exactly, for all the people that said, I don't want any long cutscenes. I don't want, you know, I, I want less story, more game. It was, I feel like the game mechanics were so smooth and so polished. Yeah, like to this day, it's still one of my favorite games. Yeah, they spent an incredible amount of time testing and running through the gameplay unlike games that you get today and and i'm i'm playing one right now that i'm struggling with it's a buggy buggy mess mess. (laughs) and they have to patch it for like a year or two before it actually becomes the finished game that they yeah and they had to do that a little bit with this one but not to the extent i mean it came out and it was a solid game i mean no pun intended and then for all uh, i'm gonna get uh, get into a defensive tangent corner yeah for all the people that said well it was unfinished and all that stuff games are unfinished all of the time we just don't hear about it because there's not a huge director 
publisher controversy that was so public like Kojima. Well, I think you need to explain why when you say it's unfinished, we probably should explain why people are upset. Well, we learned. Okay, yes. You know, he was going. uh, The game was delayed. I don't actually don't think it was delayed. I think he did give a vision timeline for what he wanted. It just yeah, it just it was taking too long. Like he, he, I think he at one point warned them, Hey, this is going to take longer than most, most game development cycles are about five years. And he knew he was going to go over that probably seven to eight to even 10 to finish the vision that he had for the game. And he probably would have, but there was also, you know, it's still a business at the end of the day and they have to pay their shareholders or however you want to look at it. They got to keep the lights on. They got to make a profit from it. So they had to release it before it was completely done. And we learned that through uh, extra special edition content showing that there was, there was chapters that were on. Yeah. There's basically a whole storyline, almost like an epilogue, like an extra. Cause I I think that. Yeah. To kind of connect this game to the very first. Yeah. To connect the the game to the very first metal gear. And there was, so there was a, there was a lot of tension between Kojima and Konami. Uh, Konami, the company is not the same company that it used to be. It's not really game driven anymore. They're they're more uh, pachinko machines. It's more traditional, traditional business wise uh, models. They're 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 out to make a ton they, of money, and they don't want to make they don't want to make art. And Kojima, yeah, is and and, so. and we, you, we could go into a whole episode about Konami and 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 that stuff. But no, let's but let's what stray. I'm saying is the, from, he, yeah. they really wanted stay to topic. <laughs> um, put microtransactions into the game, which was obviously yeah. really big at the time and it was a moneymaker um for a lot of games even though we all know that we've we hate it and it's it's backfired a lot in uh, games especially about four or five years ago but that was a big thing with uh kojima he basically said i'm we're not putting microtransactions into this game this isn't a cell phone game this isn't a mobile app like this is a fully polished piece of art that we're putting out and it pretty much ultimately led to his dismissal from the company yeah unceremoniously they wouldn't even let him accept awards for the game yeah let's let's not go too deep into the controversy of that very public break i'm gonna call it like a breakup i, I i'm still um, pissed let's off pull it back about it <laughs> i still he's still a lot of people i are. was i had a feeling this would come up in this episode but i'm gonna go ahead and pull yeah. it back and say that it was very clear that the gaming mechanics and design was way you know the the balance had flipped uh and it was way at the top of the tier where the narrative was very much um not not at the bottom by any means, but more at the middle where the game design was now driving the narrative like we had never seen before in the franchise. And um, the franchise ended there, but before it ended, we got another piece of Kojima um, history lore that changed game games again for years to come, even to this day, I would argue. And that I've actually never played the game and I would argue, I don't know this for sure, but I would be a betting man and say that Buck has never played this. And that is the playable trailer for the now canceled Silent Hills game. Now, this is incredibly famous because this was essentially a demo and it was just called that. It was called PT and that stands for playable trailer. And we learned that it was a playable trailer for the silent, the new Silent Hills game, which was going to be a collaboration between Kojima and Guillermo del Toro. And he did this 
this was not a new thing. They did this with Metal Gear Solid Five with Metal Gear with their engine. So it was, I think it was Metal actually before it was even, re- yeah, before Ground Zeroes Ground Zeroes, or yeah. uh, TPP was even released. They put this yeah. out as kind of a. They put it out without any publicity, uh, and I think they gave it a fake, like a fake studio title card, things like yeah. that, to kind of make it secret. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: is that though this is a very short playable trailer as i already said it became so influential that there was copycats after (laughs) copycats after copycats uh for this kind of horror experience and the same thing happened with his use of again gaming mechanics balanced with cinematic storytelling that he did for mgs because we saw copycats after copycats and and we're still, you know, one, much like I said in the thesis, we wouldn't have games like they are today if it wasn't for what he did for the gaming industry. So let's go through a few of them. So The Last of Us, yeah. God of War, definitely the Resident Evil series, Final Fantasy series of what we know it as more of today. Uh, and then just a lot of things that are coming out into new IPs. And we're seeing this when I, I would argue that it's always best when there's a balance. Not an evolution or uh, game mechanics that are kind of on a plateau, kind of like the MGS, where it's a little more narrative driven as we get closer to the end of the franchise. But we talked about this in the pre-show that God of War is a perfect example of perfectly balanced gameplay and narrative. Yeah, it, it's it's seamless. Like the whole game is a, a, like a single shot, and that's how they present it. There's no like cutscenes. Well, there's there's cutscenes, but there's no like cut point. But they're they're integrated. Yeah, they're seamless into seamless the into the gameplay, the gameplay and story. And it doesn't overtake. I think the the final battle um, in that game between um, Kratos and and bother they did it so well there was these cut scenes where you would see cinematic moments but then they would kind of integrate and they do this with some games with with you know you have to press a button to kind of keep you involved which some of the god of war games prior to this incorporated but they did it in such a way where it didn't and they, feel like they were, were just, they were just beat them up yeah and we grew up with beat 'em ups, yeah. like the, you know, they were yeah traditional beat 'em ups. But the 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 evolution of a beat 'em up is a hack and yeah. slash game. But this right? was this took it to a new level. And God of War was originally was it was a hack, a hack and slash. It was it was mainly known for being kind of kind of gory, uh, bloody kind of. But it was kind of a cool setting in, in a, a fun, fun way. way. It was yeah. It was set in the. Uh, the Greek pantheon of uh, of mythology. Now, now I can tell Buck. I can see it on his face. He's wanting to talk about the story a little more and go down just talking about the game. I'm going to pull it back because as much as we saw, and feel free to tweet at us or uh, you know give us your comments about what game you feel would be a good is a good example of something that had you know, amazing game mechanics or game design that drove narrative. And they had pretty good balance of those two worlds. Now, this is where the script is going to be flipped on the episode. We're seeing the opposite play out. I'm seeing more and more narrative focus games that drive the mechanics of the game. So the complete opposite, the game mechanics used to always really drive the narrative. And now we're seeing the narrative drive the mechanics. Now, what do I mean by that? So this is why we used Kojima as a framing device for the episode, because he released an original IP after he went solo and uh, his his production production company just called Kojima Productions uh, got licensed through Sony and he made a game. 
and that is Death Stranding. Now, I absolutely love Kojima has done with his games. And like I said in the intro, he has become a film director. Absolutely. He just does it through the medium that is a video game. And um, Death Stranding is exactly that. And to a fault, because it's uh, it's often criticized as being a walking simulator because, well, because it is is a walking walking simulator. simulator. I, (laughs) I will be honest with all of you. If you haven't played Death Stranding, it is literally just a walking simulator because the game is a movie. And the way that the main character is going to get you to the next plot point is literally walking there. That's why the narrative is now driving the mechanics because there was, that's why there's nothing more complicated about the mechanics of the game because you're playing out the story. The story is the most important piece of the medium in this example. And the only way to get to the next piece of plot, (laughs) the next plot point is to, how do you do it? You walk there, right? You have to (laughs) walk walk over mountains. And if you fall down, you lose all your shit on your back. (laughs) You lose your luggage and you got to pick it up. And it made really no sense in retrospect, but it got you to the next plot point. Um, Now, as far as a pure, and now this one, I will, since it's still fairly fresh, I will not talk about plot points uh, or spoilers or anything like that. All I will say is that this was a good movie and it should have been a movie or like a limited series on Netflix. As a game, I am I am of the camp that a game has to still be a game. You know, it's called a video game for a reason. You still have to, there still has to be a fun, interactive game design and game mechanics in the game to make it a game. The story and the graphics and all of that shit outside of that were amazing. And that's why it should have just been a fucking movie. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be honest here. I I have not played through the entire game. I've only full disclosure. Full um, disclosure. That's okay. You don't need to play through it. To, I to, well, I to understand. Yeah, this. I purchased the game just to support Kojima because I kind of what I said earlier. I was I'm a big fan of him, and I also want to support him. Yeah, we'll probably buy anything he, he yeah, touches. I, honestly. I this is my problem with him a little bit though is is kind of coming to this. He hit the mark with MGS5. Um but he, you know with his latest game I with this walking simulator basically. Novo, you bring up a good point. I I think he obviously wants to do film and he wants to tell stories that way. And I want him to do that. But d- I think you kind of need to maybe a little maybe I shouldn't say this but it's like what kind of what lane are you wanting to be in are you wanting to uh <laughs> develop games i mean if you look at his yeah. twitter um description I, I haven't seen it he wants to be a rock star That's yeah cool. well he, he likes being he famous. likes being famous but if you read i i don't know if it's still the same but for the longest time it was my body is 70 percent movies he obviously has a huge affinity for film and i love that about him does he really want to create film or does he want to create games and i think well the answer is both he wants to do he wants to be a multimedia artist yeah. at this point that's and what's he, clear he's incredibly talented. there's nothing wrong with that but sometimes it's not always yeah he's got a a bunch of people around him that love him and you know guillermo del toro norman Reedus, uh mads mickelson like oh, all yeah. these guys they they obviously love what he's doing but um and and see him as a creative genius but um at the beginning of the day i think he brought a good point it's still a game you you still have to have some narrative i mean or i'm sorry some sort of gameplay i think another example of this was the order 1861 which was basically a tech demo um for the ps <laughs> i never played that one but i have read enough about it to know it's, exactly it's just yeah about. it's it's very lo- it looks it's pretty, pretty it looks beautiful, beautiful. But it, you could put 
but quotes, it's a game. It's more of a, a, <laughs> it's, a, a moving picture, as they would say. And and to your point about, you know, you need to pick a lane. Yeah. I think he just needed to pick his... I think he has the chops to do either or. He just... I think a hard thing for him is being honest with himself about which lane to yeah. pick. Like, if he actually made this into a live action limited like a live action limited series on netflix or hbo let's say eight episodes and that was one story there's no there's no future seasons this would have been and maybe he will i would have loved watching who, this. who knows like i mean you know we, we've seen some success oh i'm gonna I, I want i want i want everyone listening to put a little to put a little pin in that because i do have a closing statement by kojima himself that i think wraps up the episode yeah but before okay let's pull it back a little bit because like i said and this is this is brand brand spanking new that only in the last three or four years that i've actually seen uh, narrative really drive the mechanics uh, my wife is playing disco elysium right now and that is exactly that like every time i i come into the room i'm just watching her click on dialogue trees for yeah. a while and don't get me wrong now this uh, this kind of stuff has been around for a long time too we call this crpgs mm-hmm. right instead of jrpgs these are computer RPGs. I just haven't seen it quite come into a international or commercial level like this. I mean, we had games like this for for years and years and years that were uh, a narrative game that was driving the mechanics. But I just haven't seen it on this magnitude ever, yeah. ever in the history of the gaming industry. Yeah, you're seeing that happen in a lot of different genres of games. Like uh, another example, it's not the same, is Monster Hunter. Um, Monster Hunter was really huge in Japan. It's a Capcom game, but it really didn't make a splash in the U.S. until they brought Monster Hunter World, which they changed a little bit to kind of make it a little bit more um, acceptable to some Western audiences. But like it it already had kind of a following just from people Hmm. importing games from Japan. But yeah, like what with what you're saying. But wait, the narrative was driving the mechanics. No, no, that that story. I was about to say, I was like, I'm saying is. Yeah, I was like, because I felt like. Because my wife actually bought that yeah. too, and I just watched her play it. So I was a back, I was a backseat gamer for that one as well, and I felt like she just did the same thing over and over and over and over. Yeah, I guess what I'm so it was more game design. Yeah, and what I'm saying is that drove the, the narrative. Kind of to your point that the world is growing smaller. You're you're starting to see different types of games that were you know kind of only exclusive to Japan or Eastern audiences that are becoming they're bringing that to Western audiences, and and I think people's mindset and the way they game is also quite different as well. So it's kind of an exciting time to see kind of these, these uh, new, what we would call new, but these, these Japanese games come over here. And, and also don't get us wrong. Like if that's your fucking bag, yeah. you know, if that's your cup of tea, All for go crazy. It, man. Play disco Elysium until your fucking eyes bleed. I, I don't care. Uh, I'm just saying that we're seeing the art of those two worlds and how they've always been, they've always been in conjunction with each other, right? There's always been a balance of those two worlds, especially as games have become more and more art. We have it. We have another episode on how, how we uh, analyze how the gaming industry has become artistic. Please check that out. But uh, in framing this, this one, where it's it's so fascinating to see how narrative is changing game mechanics, and it's eventually just getting to this point where I I, I don't I don't want to be too mean and say let's not call them the games anymore, but they're just getting to this point where they're just kind of interactive movies. Yeah, it's like, it's just, just like pick your own telltale pick your games own adventure, or what, whatever those 
that series was. Uh, yeah, that, well, that's a perfect yeah. example of but it, it, hold, the narrative is driving. Yeah, and, and the, you know, obviously from Telltale Games to an extent now, Naughty Dog, you, you have full whole studios kind of you know surrounding around that game mechanic of story driven games. Um, that uh, that's their business. I mean, if you think of the Last of Us series, and it's fantastic, it's a great game. Like the stories oh, yeah. are great, oh, hell yeah. but if you think about it, there's not a ton of gameplay. <laughs> there's not well, and also I remember playing the really first deep, one, and really. people. No, no, you 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 said it yeah. correctly. There's not a. I I would just say there there's nothing new. Yeah, I remember playing. There's a lot of games, even like uh, what's another one that my my wife likes to play that I just kind of like to be like a backseat gamer is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I felt like was just a combination of already established uh, mechanics, like a that was just like a hodgepodge. Yeah, Yeah, it's just a hodgepodge of different mechanics. I liked it, but then it was it was all about the plot, the the narrative that was important, obviously to the consumer. It had a lot of differences. It was kind of in a different setting. It wasn't just like pop shotting. you know well as far as game you know yeah yeah. if you didn't like here's the you know for me i didn't really care for the plot and so what was left was the game mechanics and i actually did play through the whole game and i was bored with tears because it was a lot of the same thing over and over and over again and going back to your point on the last of us i mean yeah it's a great game but it just didn't really do anything new and that's where we're starting to see though a lot of things that are new but aren't always working and one is always driving the other, I guess is my point ultimately for this episode. And there is an art to that. There is an absolute art to there that. There is an art. It's called make money. <laughs> so uh, before we uh, get to the conclusion and go into our gems of the week, I do want to uh, talk about a, our, our state, a quote I found from Kojima himself. And I quote, in the future, Kojima Productions will start making films. If you could do one thing well, then you can do everything well. Kojima went on to explain that he sees that movies, TV shows, and games competing in the same space in the future, thanks to streaming technology, and that this will encourage new formats to emerge. And I quote again, I'm very interested in the new format of what a game can be and what how that will appear on there, talking about streaming technology. And that's what I want to take on. Interesting. End quote. I, I, I had not read that yet. I think I think he has a point. I, I, I really do. I, I, I think you are going to see them compete a little bit. I, it's becoming more ingrained in our lives. I think it's more acceptable now. And it's more intertwined, it, yeah. like we've never seen before. Multimedia. Yeah, and we've seen some attempts at it before, but um, yeah, we're seeing it. Like, they're going to make a Last of Us series on HBO. They've already made a Witcher, even though Witcher was based off of a book. They have a Witcher series on Netflix. And then um, I do know that there is talks of a Metal Gear game or Metal Gear game, Metal, a Metal movie Gear movie in the works. Yes, that's been that's been in development hell for. Yeah, ever. at least 10 years, but it sounds like it's closer than ever. Yeah, I think I think we will before I'll, I'll give you this timeline before we die. <laughs> Before we die, when we're eighty-three we'll years see old, the Metal Gear movie. There will be a Metal <laughs> Gear movie. We're, we're gonna go. We're gonna get a big group together. Anybody listening, you're invited. It'll be me and Buck at the front with some goddamn Twizzlers. Novo is really peanut M and M's. Really good at going to a movie theater. And if there's not a good selection of seats, he will make an entire row move. Oh, well, back in the day when you know you would see, you were excited to see a movie on opening night and it was jam-packed and this was before uh assigned seats and so you would have an entire row uh filled up but then you'd have the one or two here and there that were empty so yeah sometimes i would ask entire rows to get up so me and buckets which which movie was that 
that we went was that dark night that was dark night yeah we even got there really early no i think we were late were we yeah a little bit I remember like going in. Hey, we did get a tangent corner. Yeah, in. I remember I us going. A whole in. episode with no tangent oh, man. You know, that's the greatest thing that I loved about assigned seating now. Like some people are upset about it. Oh, fuck I, yeah. No, it's, it's, the it's the best thing. I love showing up at a movie theater right when the movie starts and not having to deal with the general public and trying to find a seat. What I really <laughs> love, what my favorite thing is, is when somebody's sitting in your seat, and then you show them your oh, ticket, man. and you're like... <laughs> you can go to hell Well, I had die. one person yeah, you there better, like... You better get seats. up right I'm like, now. No, you, you move. I paid for the seat. I picked it out so, so I could have the center view. I am that guy. I want to be... Yep. I want to oh, have yeah. the best view. I'm paying for... You want the optimal uh, audio and visual experience? Yes, I do splooge for the... Uh, the <laughs> There has to be there has to be balance, <laughs> which yeah. is a good which is a good segue back to our, our final conclusion before we go. We got to go into the gym of the week soon, and that is there is an absolute beauty to the balance that is game design versus narrative and narrative versus game design, and we'll see it evolve and change. And oh, I'm so excited to see how things will change into the future, into this gaming industry, and I can't I can't wait to see what Kojima comes up with next. Yeah, there you have it game design versus storytelling thank you so much for listening but before we go of course we have a little something a little, little something extra for you guys a little icing on the cake a little cherry on top and that's what we call the gym of the week the gym of the week is essentially something we want to talk about in the show here but uh, it doesn't quite fit into the scheme of the main episode subject so we want to talk about it at the end here and mine is exactly what t-buck was talking about earlier and that is <laughs> i think you called it what was that gundam game some gun it was called zone of the zone of the enders yes Uh, yes yeah zone of the so right in the middle of all of this metal gear and pt and death stranding all this huge career kojima made a very small title he actually made two games there was a sequel to zone of the enders it was zone of the enders in 2001 he took a little break to um make this and essentially it is you're in a giant mech fighting other mechs and I can't remember the story, but the, the gameplay was great. That, that brought a lot of memories back. I did play that game quite a bit. And I believe uh, my cousin stole it from me. So I'm going to text him right now. Son of a bitch. And uh, tell him, you remember that game you stole from me 20 years ago? I was brought Borrowed. up. It was brought up in our Borrowed. podcast episode. That's what we all we always used to do that. We I don't know how many times. I, I think I still have a borrowed Super Nintendo game with my friend's name on the yeah, back. Yeah, your it, old roommate has like kept. three of my games. And the the weird thing is that's how that's how we did the weird it. thing is you know, but now everything's down yeah the weird thing is is that um I hung out with him like a whole bunch of times as an adult a grown man and never asked for a back <laughs> and then I would always like be driving home and be like, as an adult the hell did I not ask him for my Wind Waker it was copy. like Twilight Twilight Princess, Princess and, no. and the Wind Waker they're they're ah, Zelda they're all Zelda games anyway <laughs> uh what's your what's your gem gem of the week I I. I'm I'm in, I told you about this a little bit. I'm into it. It's Outriders. I know it's a AAA title. It's a big thing. Oh yeah, okay. uh, a game that I'm not going to talk about. Not this. usually really into. Um, it's like a shooter looter. It's nothing anything special. It's third person. Um, but the story's kind of cool. I like it. Okay. I don't know. I don't okay. know what. I just wish their servers I, worked better. I have not played Outriders. Is that what it's called? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah. I haven't. I haven't played that. But um. Um, you know, we we like to promote. 
we like to give give the love out. So check it out, everybody. Um, of course, if you like that, you could check out our stuff outside of this our little podcast here. Uh, you can follow us at underscore Novo underscore Day, and Day is D E, and at Novo Day Media. You can of course check out some of our products at NovoDayProductions.com, and that includes our novel, The Entropy Sessions. You can also get that in an audiobook form if you so choose to. Uh, we also have a book called Adulteration and Post Meridium. And gosh, until next time, be good to each other. And as always, good luck, Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions, created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company, Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123. ACO on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved. Nano machines. What's that? <laughs>